We're going to open our Bibles together. And um, we're dealing with a series which is touching on some pastoral issues. So we looked at friendship, and we looked at handling or dealing with criticism. And um, today we're going to look at handling or dealing with loss. And that's not just loss of people, but maybe loss of circumstances, loss of role or purpose, etc. So we're dealing with the subject of handling loss. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for all of your love and goodness to us. There isn't a person in this room who at some point, even if they're young, hasn't suffered some degree of loss of something. It could be a loss of a pet. It could be a loss of a school friend. Or it could be much more than that, a loss of a, of a, a loved one or somebody close to us. Help us to understand how the Bible teaches into this subject and equips and enables us in all these things to draw our strength from you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All of us at some point in our lives, I think, suffer loss. It could be a divorce. It could be, or maybe death, losing a loved one. It might be something less than that. It might be um, something like the loss of youth, for example. Or hair, not looking anywhere. Or um, it might be um, the loss of a school or a role or health or freedom or purpose or home or friends. There's going to be marked times in our lives when we've lost something. There's a time when I lost, um, when I was younger, I lost my home, my school, my friends, my best friend ever all in one go. And that's because we moved from one side of Croydon to the other. And my mum decided to take me to um, a hairdresser's. Well, I say it's hairdresser's. Actually, it was a barber's. Although, actually, it wasn't even a barber's. I think it was just a bloke with a pair of clippers. And, um, and he was, he, he'd learnt all of his craft and skill of cutting hair in the Irish Guards. And he'd say, top of the morning to you, what would you like? And the problem is, though he would say, what would you like, there's only one cut, which was basically just a shave. I was literally just shorn like that. And, um, and by the time I got to about 11 years old, he was just about to say, top of the morning to you, what would you like? And I just said, no, like that. I got really assertive. I said, no. I said, what I'd like is I want it, I want it layered. I want it layered, I want the weight taken off the top, I want it just off the ears, and um, just squared at the back. I just want it nice, like that. And I looked at his face, because he, he was like in the 70s, you know, and he had a cigarette sort of hanging from his mouth. And I looked at his face, and the, the blood was drained from his face. And he went, right you are. And he just held my head, and he got hold of his shoes, and went, right around. And his understanding of layering was not to touch it from here to here, it was untouched, and then it was, basically, it was almost shaved from there downwards. I looked like Henry V. <laughs> I was the only person ever to have worn a haircut that hadn't been worn by another human being since the 13th century, and I was about to start school, and my mum had decided that I needed a duffel coat, because when you start school, you need a duffel coat because of the, you know, the, the weather climate that there is in Croydon. Obviously, you need a duffel coat. And it was not just a duffel coat. It was this enormous duffel coat. It was just like this massive thing that was going to take 10 years to grow into. 
and it was duffled right up to here, like this. And then she said to me, what about a bag? Do you want a school bag? And I said, yeah, yeah, I'd like a school bag, thinking, you know, sort of black, fake leather, puma sort of bag. And she got me this thing. It was like, it was a, it was a little square, bright orange, handbaggy thing with a long strap like that. And so and I came into school, and the teacher, out of shock, I think, got me to stand at the front. And I was standing at the front, I had my duffel coat like this, duffled up here, with me Henry the fifth. And, um, and I got my handbag standing over there, like that. And I was looking out at, at, these, at, at what was just a sea of really tiny haircuts and tattoos. And that was just a girl's. And, um, and I looked out and I thought, oh, I'm going to die. And the whole room went quiet and they looked at me like this. Like that. And then the whole, the eeriness of that silence was broken by a noise coming from the back of the room, which went something like, we're going to kill you because you look strange. Which I thought was a member of staff. And, um, and then I, basically, after that, I was tortured for a whole day, just systematically tortured. And then I went home and I said, I can't do this. I can't, I've, got to, I've got to look normal. I can't do the duffel coat with the hair. I've got a proper hair. What's with the bag? What's with the bag? So I, eventually I said to look, if I don't get a decent bag and a decent haircut and a decent coat, I will die. Okay? So we had to get that sorted out before I could go back to school. But I went back to school and I realized that in going back to school, I had lost everything that was really kind of effectively my life. I'd lost my school and my friends and my home. And there was this kind of almost like a grieving period of, of just coming to a place of acceptance. I think loss is going to be something that all of us experience, all of us are familiar with. It's a common human experience. In fact, so common that even Jesus endured it. There are not many places in Scripture where you can see Jesus suffer loss. But there is one, and that's in Matthew chapter 14. If you've got your Bibles, come with Matthew chapter 14 and verse 3. Matthew 14, verse 3. Now Herod had arrested John and bound him and put him in prison because of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife. For John had been saying to him, it is not lawful for you to have her. Herod wanted to kill John, but he was afraid of the people because they considered John a prophet. On Herod's birthday, the daughter of Herodias danced for the guests and pleased Herod so much that he promised with an oath to give her whatever she asked for. Prompted by her mother, she said, Give me here on a platter the head of John the Baptist. The king was distressed, but because of his oaths and his dinner guests, he ordered that her request be granted and had John beheaded in the prison. His head was brought on a platter and given to the girl, who carried it to her mother. John's disciples came and took his body and buried it, and then they went and told Jesus. I want you to notice what happens next in verse 13. When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. I think all of us suffer loss. 
and suffer the pain of loss. And it's really about a grieving, a grieving until we get to a place of acceptance. And when we get to the place of acceptance, then we can see the grieving start to diminish. But that journey of getting to the place of acceptance can be very difficult and very demanding. But God does not leave us alone in that journey. And in Isaiah 61, he gives us a little insight into what he does when we bring that loss to him. So if you've got your Bibles, Isaiah 61 and verse 1. Isaiah 61 and verse 1. All of us will cry and shed tears, but we need to learn how to cry at his feet, how to let the tears wash his feet, and only then can he minister to us. It's where we cry that matters, not that we cry, but where we cry. We need to learn to take it to him. Sometimes when we feel hurt or we feel lost, we want to draw away from the Lord, but he calls us into his presence and says, if you would abide with me, if you would be in my presence and draw close to me, then I can soothe you and heal you and restore you. Psalm, sorry, Isaiah 61, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. This is word and spirit. Spirit of the Lord, good news to the poor. Spirit and word together are the powerhouses of God. Now in the Hebrew, the poor means downtrodden, actually means downtrodden and so what he says is that there are three things that his spirit and his word will do for us he said i will say he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners to proclaim the year of the lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our god to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in zion and if we suffer loss and we bring that into his presence he says he does three things He says he binds, he comforts, and he provides. So firstly, he binds. In other words, like a binded wound. And it's really important that the wound is bound because it's soothing and it's calming. So he he soothes us by his spirit. He calms us by his spirit. But more than that, he binds the wound and stops it from becoming infected. Nothing like bitterness, no anger, no rejection can take hold because he's bound the wound by his spirit. So we bring the loss into his presence. He can bind the wound. It's so important we learn to do that. Jesus said, peace I live with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. So do not, do not let your hearts be troubled. And do not be afraid. Stand against it. Secondly, he says that he comforts. He brings his strength to us and restores us. Isaiah 40 says he gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary. Young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. Soar on wings like eagles. Run and not grow weary. Walk and not be faint. As we dwell in his presence, 
he can restore us. He's the only one, it says in Scripture, who has the power to turn, if you like, the, the sorrow into joy. No one else can do that, has that transforming power, but he can do it. The oil of gladness instead of the ashes of mourning. And thirdly, as we dwell in his presence, he says he provides. And you know, I think one of the key ways that God provides for us is by other Christians. I don't know in your experience of life whether you've, you've had Christians come alongside you at quite difficult times and strengthen you. I certainly have. I've certainly known that, and it's been precious. Precious times when God has brought people and they've been the strengthener that you needed at those times of loss. Paul says this in 2 Corinthians 1, 3, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us all in our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. We pass it on. We become, if you like, the agents, the instruments of his comfort and strengthening. Now, admittedly, not all Christian visitations and help has that kind of impact. This is a reading from the sacred diary of Adrian Plass, aged 37 and a half years. Saturday, January the 25th. Felt a little better this morning. Two visitors while Anne was out. Richard came round to say that he'd had a picture. Why don't I ever get pictures? He wondered if his picture might be connected with my illness. He said, I saw, as it were, a dartboard, and impaled upon the dartboard by means of a dagger was a small jellyfish. And as I watched, it was revealed unto me by the Lord that the creature's name was Stuart. I shall never understand why Richard says these things in front of Gerald. Gerald nodded gravely and said, Well, there you are then, Dad. That's it, isn't it? The revenge of the jellyfish. Like in the horror films, you know, obviously at some point in your life, you have stepped on one of these jellyfish, probably one called Stuart, while you were paddling, and then they found a way to get their own back on you by giving you the flu. And Richard said, yes, but that doesn't explain the dartboard. I said, isn't it time for you to go to work, Gerald? Thanks, Richard, for sharing his picture with me. He said, I couldn't really see an obvious connection, but I'd bear it in mind and pray about it. Next visitor was Edwin with some mint imperials, which I love, and the offer of a chat. Started to tell him about Richard's picture, but he stopped me and said, don't tell me the details. Dear old Richard means well, but he, he does get a bit carried away sometimes. The thing about these pictures is that every now and again, you do get one that really is from God. It's true, isn't it? You do get one that really is from God. And you can just to think about them, pray about them, and decide calmly for yourself. I did all that later. Didn't take long. Jellyfish. Mm. Just before dozing off, I said to Anne, you know that man down the road that looks a little bit like a jellyfish? No. Well, you know, he's a fattish, sort of larger, fattish. No. Roses. You know, roses in the front. Ah, oh yes. Yeah, oh yes, fattish. You don't know his name, do you? No. Why? You don't, it's, not, it's not called Stuart, is it? No. Why? Oh, nothing. Doesn't matter. All visitors <laughs> who 
who are Christian can necessarily bless us, but you know, some do, and some are able, um, and we're able to do that for others too. And we become the instruments, so the Lord provides for us. I think one of the key things he does is he provides others to come alongside us. There are three things he does when you bring your loss into his presence. He soothes, he strengthens, and he provides. As well as his presence, the Holy Spirit begins bringing a transformation to us. And in fact, the next part of the passage speaks about that transformation, substituting and replacing the outcomes of loss with the outcomes of his Spirit. He says, I will bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. Interestingly, the ashes were applied to the head. So this is the same place into their mind and into their soul. I will bring them a crown of beauty. I will bring them an oil of gladness instead of mourning. Oil was used as times of gladness and not of sorrow. And finally, I will bring them a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. A crown of beauty, the oil of gladness, and a garment of praise. Isaiah says that the anointed one, Jesus, is the only one who can turn sorrow into joy. This is his transforming power. And he can transform us to take us from a place where we could be angry and bitter into a place of gladness and of sweetness. Corrie ten Boom, if you, don't, you may not know Corrie ten Boom, she was, a, she was quite a big name in the 1970s because she was a hero of the Second World War. She was um, a Dutch Christian who in Nazi-occupied Holland had tried to rescue um, a number of Jews from the Nazis and ended up herself in a concentration camp and had seen her own members of her own family dying in her arms. And she'd been through horrendous experiences. But they said of Corrie ten Boom that she was probably one of the sweetest, purest spirits you'd ever know. There was a crown of beauty on her. There wasn't a kind of raging anger or bitterness that God had brought her that was only possible by his spirit. He also says, I will give you an oil of gladness. In 1 Thessalonians 4.13, Paul says, Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind. That's an interesting statement. You do not grieve like the rest of mankind. Yes, you grieve. He doesn't say you do not grieve full stop. Yes, you suffer loss. Yes, you, hit, you hurt. And yes, there is pain. But I want you to know that when you bring that into my presence, I'm able to do something with you that cannot be done if you don't. And I'll bring you a garment of praise, a covering. And that's a vital thing. How do we praise God through times of loss? But if we praise him for who he is, not necessarily for what we've endured, but just for who he is, then we are covered. It surrounds us. He wraps us up, comforts us with himself. And then, he says, they will be called oaks of righteousness, a recognition of what the Lord has done, a new name, a new identity, because what comes out of that is something wonderful and rewarded of God. Something special. Beauty, gladness, and praise. 
Let's pray. Well, Father, we, we praise you, we thank you. Life is full of all kinds of twists and turns, and, and we have great times, and we thank you for those, but we also suffer loss too. But we want to learn how to bring all of those experiences, whether they are happy times and great times and blessed times and peaceful times or times of sadness and times of hurt, to bring them all before you. Because you alone have the power to transform us, to turn our weeping into joy. You can transform us so that there's no longer the despair of ashes, but there's the, the joy, if you like, and the gladness of your spirit. And that is by your spirit alone. It's not a human thing. We can't do it by ourselves, but it's what you do. And Father, we pray for those in our congregation who may have lost not just loved ones, but homes, but maybe health, and maybe they're aging, and that's a difficult transition too. And we pray, Father, that we would be those instruments of grace. We would be those voices that will enable you to bring them to a place where they can know your comfort and your soothing touch. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.